We're glad you're here. You glad to be here this morning? Amen. Thank you, worship team. As just as first service, just such sweet worship. I said this this morning, and I still feel the same. When we allow ourselves to genuinely worship, you know, the Lord can work in your life. And where you're normally not soft, he can make you soft. Where your heart may be hard, he'll soften that heart. Where your heart may be torn apart, he'll start mending that heart. Where maybe you lack compassion, you'll start, compassion will start to flow out of you. That's me. And I just so encourage you as a worshiping pastor, I just encourage you to go beyond the words, go beyond the the songs and the the religious part of it, where it's kind of our routine. You know, I was even thinking about offering this morning and how we do it differently here than maybe what you're used to. But we've been doing this for probably six months to a year and how I don't want it to become religious. I don't want it to lose its effectiveness of you standing up and believing and going and setting that in the offering. I'm not going to talk anymore about money, but, you know, worship can become ritualistic or religious where we just go bang, bang through our songs, do our offering and go home. I want you to know as a as a worshiping pastor and as a spirit filled pastor, I desire our services. I desire to be touched every time we come in here. I desire that for me. I desire that for you. And it's not just what we do on Sunday. It's our time to come and acknowledge God as our king in our life and our savior of our life and how much we need him. But he desires to touch you. We desire to reach him, but he desires to reach us. Just like that song was two, a two-way street. I called, you answered. And you came to my rescue. Because I want to be where you are. You know that's scriptural? That if you will draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. Calling on him is so important. And that's what worship is. Worship really is a time for me to let him know how great he is. For me to worship him. But it's also a, a positioning of God being being able to bless my life. And to maybe even heal areas that I don't even know need healing or heal areas that I feel like can't be healed. Or heal areas that I have no control over. So I just urge you and I beg you. Um, allow yourself to go a little bit. Deeper is deeper the right word a little bit deeper into worship. You know, there scripture shows us that creation creation comes from spoken words. God created by speaking. And you and I both know the impact that you have over speaking good things over your life, like the self-fulfilling prophecy and how important it is what you speak. Why? Because there's so much power in what you speak. It's, the, it's what separates us from any other animal on this planet. We can speak. And we've been given the authority of Jesus Christ to speak. Under his authority, speak his word. And I don't know if you realize this, but when you sing the songs that we sing, they are scriptural. And you are speaking God's word. And how important it is that you allow yourself to, to receive power, to receive a touch during worship. I believe that even if you don't realize what you're speaking, because you're speaking it, power is being done. 
But when you start to really grasp, when you start to allow the worship to to get into your heart and then to start to flow out, look out, Katie, bar the door. This the city's not seen nothing yet. We want to think we're all wild and stuff. We have not seen anything. I'm not talking about getting flaky. I'm talking about the power of God coming. Why not? God's word says he never changes. Why not? Why not worship him like he wants to be worshiped? And then let him do what he needs to do. He's wanting to fix your life anyway. That may be revelation to you. God wants to, to fix, to help your life. He just wants you to cut, do about it his way. God has a kingdom. We line up with that kingdom. He moves in your life. Doesn't mean we don't have things that we've got to get through. We do. I heard somebody speak in the last few weeks. It takes trials to get to the next point. It takes trials to grow. You've got to have your your difficulties to move to the next step. Without them, you never grow. So those things really are there. This little backwards thinking there to help us. Trials produce patience, produces. Uh, I forgot it, Cindy. Character, I know it's character, but that's kind of on down the line. Trials, and it eventually produces hope. You in a trial? Hallelujah. You're going to get over it. And you're going to get over it better off than when you started. That's a good word. Amen. (laughs) Well, all right. That's God, because I didn't say it first service. That's just evidence. The spirit is saying one thing. We should be hearing the same things over and over. I hope that what you're hearing in Sunday school, you get a little bit of a piece of it because I believe my Sunday school teachers hear God. I believe my life group leaders hear God. I believe my children's workers hear God. I believe my youth pastor hears God. I believe. I I try. (laughs) You know, that's how that's what brings confirmation. Out of two or three mouths, that just confirms the Holy Spirit's working in you. That should give you courage, those that are in Burton, Burton's class, to know that he is hearing from God for your sake. Amen. That's, that's enough. I'm not done, but that's enough. God, God's here. God's here. Um, I did not get to do this last uh, service, and he's already stepped out because he was here at first service. This, this coming week is our Black History Appreciation Month, and we're going to have United Voices of Praise. If you have never heard them, let me tell you, they'll change your life. As, as a worshiper, I said this last Sunday, or I might have said this Wednesday night, it is one of my favorite Sundays to be here. Um, Dr. Robert Owens, uh, the um, minority affairs leader at Tennessee Tech, he's also a deacon of our church, will be bringing the message. Now, please, don't not come. Last, last year when we had this, it was either our largest attended Sunday or our second largest attended Sunday ever in our history. It is, it is, uh, it is great. The, the, uh, Robert Owens is spirit filled and passionate about God, but the worship will bring you to a level that you, I, I would argue that you've maybe not ever been to. It's going to be good. I want to encourage you. Come invite your friends. We'll have it in the newspaper. Um, I thoroughly am looking forward to it. So I encourage you, be here, be here to support. All right, core values. 
Today I'm kind of starting a little bit of a different series. It's going to probably feel a little bit different, and that's okay. But we, I've been trying to build foundation. We started with the Father. We've started with dealing with our Father and, and our natural Father and our Father in Heaven. Burton Putman brought, the, the Sunday school teacher I just mentioned, brought a testimony last week, extremely powerful, many people touched, and able to see that we can accept Father God even when we've had a struggling relationship with our Father here on earth our natural father. But as we build this, I'm I'm wanting to kind of go into some, quote, core values. And if you think of core values, if you're in the business world, they may be things that are that are held close to an organization or an individual's heart. But today I want to talk about Christian core values or church on the hill core values. What are important? You know, if if among the unchurched, 82 percent have said before they go to any church, they'd like to know what you believe. Where are you? Where do you stand? And that's a great question. We have what's called a new, new, uh, new, uh, comers. I want to say new members, but this is, I don't want to go down that road, but newcomers, newcomers class. And we've not had one in a while, but we're ready. We've got a lot of people that need to go through that so that they can kind of hear who we are. Why? Who are we? We're a spirit filled Baptist church, which doesn't compute. What does that mean? I'm a spirit filled pastor. I believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And what's neat is I'm going into core values this week on Sundays. But on Wednesday nights, I'm going into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And. Thank you. Um, That was the Holy Spirit. Um, But how important it is that we know where we stand. Many of you have been coming to the church for a long time and would say, you know what? I really don't even know if I know where you stand. Well, great. This series and Wednesday nights are going to help you. And let me encourage you. Come on Wednesday nights. We're growing. We have got over 50 kids, I think, in Bible drills. Is that an exaggeration? Huh? At least 30. I think we have more than that. A lot happening on Wednesday night. Youth is growing up in the 45 to 50 youth right now. Is that accurate? Yes. Yeah. Um, I'm a numbers guy and I don't want to have uh, false numbers, but um, come on Wednesday nights. It's a little bit more laid back. We're, we're here for an hour, 630 to 730, usually right very close and can get your kids home. But I want to encourage you Wednesday night. But core values. What are the core values of church on the hill? What are the core values of being a Christian? And today I want to talk to you about integrity and influence. Integrity and influence about being salt and light. If you've got your bulletin, the the title of the sermon today is salt on the hill. There is salt on this hill. There's salt and then there are hills. My dad was born in Jackson County. I wasn't. I was born in Putnam County. So I'm trying to get that out of me a little bit, but I'm kidding. I'm not against Jackson County ends, but, uh, salt, There's salt up here. There's salt in this place this morning. And I want to encourage you. I put the scriptures up on the, I put uh, the Bible scriptures up on the the screen for you every Sunday. Please bring your Bibles. Start getting back in the habit of bringing your Bibles. You need to have this thing with you. You need to have it whenever you need it. You need to have it. Bring your Bible with you. And if you would turn with me to uh, Matthew 5. And I'm going to put it up there for you. But I encourage you, please bring your Bibles. Wonderful teaching. Now, Jesus has just finished the Beatitudes. 
And he talks to us about uh, talks to us about penetrating our society and having influence, especially through integrity. Now, I saw a survey, a secular survey. And right now, if you're kind of if you're kind of hanging with me at all right now, I'm kind of getting into numbers. I'm kind of getting into polls and why the unchurched is unchurched, why they won't come into church, why uh, the church has left the church. What's the problem? And I've kind of gotten into kind of looking at different people's views of why people don't go to church or what is their problem with church or for a better term, what are we doing wrong? In these days, the church should be growing. The, the church corporate should be growing. We've got some mega churches. We've got some that aren't growing. We are growing. But I want to know why aren't we growing? Why aren't we exploding? I'm ready to explode. And I don't mean numbers. I'm not talking about numbers. We can so easily get hung up with numbers. But I want you to know this morning I've seen a change. I don't know what's happened. I've seen a change in worship. I'm seeing a connection between us and Sunday school. I'm seeing a connection with you. I think Burton Putman's testimony really brought breakthrough last week. But why does the, why are people so put off about church? But I read a secular survey where 1,300 senior executives in America were asked to list in, in a, a list of priority, an order of priority, what they thought was the most important within an organization. And interestingly enough, 90% of them said integrity. Number one, integrity. And most of these are unchurched or unbelievers. Integrity, number one. Webster defines integrity, excuse me, as a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values or better, incorruptibility. Also, an unimpaired condition or soundness. And finally, the quality or state of being complete or undivided, completeness. This is what we are to be. We are to be incorruptible. Can you imagine that? Us being incorruptible in a corrupt world, being unpenetrated, impenetratable. <laughs> we're to be sound. We're to be complete. Another word for integrity is honesty. Honesty. Now, Matthew 5, our Lord has just finished teaching the Beatitudes, and you know those. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. But let's pick up with verse 13. Chapter 5, verse 13. You are the salt for everyone on earth. Now, let's stop. If you've got your Bibles out, and if you're a marker, even if you're not a marker, I'll encourage you to be a marker. I like to mark up my Bible. I like to be able to come back to a time knowing that I was in trouble at one time. I come back and I see I see that scripture again and the Lord had delivered me. How many times if you've gotten in your word and the Lord's delivered you, you come back to it and the Lord reminds you. Remember, remember that day? I got you through that day. It's no different than when the children of Israel would set up stones so that when they walked back by it, they would have to tell, they wouldn't have to. They'd say, whoa, wait a minute. You know what happened right here? We got delivered. Let me tell you just for a minute about how great God is. Look at these stones. This is what happened in my life. That's why it's so important that you mark your Bible. That when we come back by it, hey, God, you are faithful. You did get me out of this. Look at this. And this says, I want you to underline this first word. You. You. You are the salt. You are like salt for everyone on earth. But if salt, 
no longer takes tastes like salt, how can it make it? How can it make food salty? All it is good for is to be thrown out and walked on. Now, Pastor Stephen came in my office this week, and as we were talking about this, he said, "No, there's one other use for unsalty salt." He says it's to throw on manure to give manure some value as fertilizer. So I don't know which is worse. But we can see we don't we don't want to become unsalty salt. You. Can everybody say me? Me. You. You are like salt. You are like salt. Then first verse 14. Let's keep going and underline the very first word of this. You are like a light for the whole world. Imagine that. You are a light for the world. Let me tell you something real quick, and I'm going to continue this verse. You have value. Regardless of what you think about yourself, regardless of what people have said about you. I'm here as a pastor that has authority over you today. I have spiritual authority because you've come into this church and because the Lord has called me and appointed me to say you have value. God sees value in you and you are like a light for the whole world. You may not feel like it, but I'm here to tell you God says it. And that's it. That's enough. You are a light for the whole world. A city built on top of a hill cannot be hidden. And no one would light a lamp and put it under a clay pot. Before I keep going, God doesn't want you hidden under some covering. He wants you on top to be seen and to show light to the world. That's what God thinks of you. Not to be covered up under some spirit of depression or spirit of rejection. That is not your calling. That is not your place. It's time for you to come out of that. And the Lord is ready to deliver you today. You are to be a lamp. A lamp is placed on a lampstand where it can give light to everyone in the house. Make your light shine so that others will see good. See the good that you do and will praise your father in heaven. In these scriptures, we see the Christian's function. We see a believer's function, our part out of this scripture in a word is influence. You are to have influence over those that are around you, not be influenced. You are to be incorruptible. We are to be people of influence. We are to be salt and light. The definition of influence is to affect or alter by indirect or intangible means. To have an effect on the condition or the development of. The other next part of the believer's function, according to the Beatitudes, if we will live according to these Beatitudes, we will function in this world, Jesus said, as salt and light. This is my calling. This is your calling. And if you go back to the scripture and reread it, you will see uh, the third part of this, that Jesus' focus is on being before doing. 
that you are to be filled, that you are to be salt before you start salting. You can't salt if you're not salty. How important it is that we get the the cup clean before we go out here and try to help somebody else. What good are you if you're not salty? You're just going to make it worse. Do you see how important it is that we become salt? It's God's desire. All the cards are stacked in your favor for you to be salt. You're sitting there thinking, well, I can't be salty. That's 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 not scriptural. You can be salty. You are going to be salty that we be before we do. It's more important for God to see what we are, which is integrity. Before we show him our ministry or function, which is our influence. It's important that we are a person of integrity before we start influencing. What will happen if you don't? If you're not a person of integrity, then your influence is going the wrong direction. He says, you are to be salt and light. Then your light will shine for everyone to see. First, we are to be salt and light. But finally, the goal of integrity is influence. We want to be a body of believers that influence. First Peter chapter two, verse nine says, but you are God's chosen and special people. That you are, we are to be a group of royal priests, a holy nation, and that God has brought us out of darkness into marvelous light. It's already been done. You may be in the dark, but I want you to know God has brought you into marvelous light. You've just not stepped into it yet. A few years ago, a worldwide poll, news poll named Mother Teresa as the most respected woman in the world. And when you think about Mother Teresa and what would cause her to be so admired in the eyes of the world, the first thing that you would think of is her servanthood. But as you go on down and right behind her servant's heart and her servant's spirit is great integrity. What the world looks for and longs for is someone that has integrity in their life. God's word tells us to be salt and light. And this morning, if you were to go and get your newspaper, many of you subscribe to the newspaper, go and get the Tennessee and go and get the Herald Citizen and read the news, news, the headlines you're going to see how badly our world needs salt and light. I took the headlines from last week's Tennessean, and I just got two of them. And the first one said, argument led to stabbing outside Franklin's restaurant, witnesses say. I think we definitely need some salt and light, and that's just in, in Franklin, Tennessee. But then there was another headline that said, East Tennessee man charged with rape of underage relative. Now, that's as graphic as I'm going to get. There's a lot worse ones there. But you can see how badly the world needs salt and light. The news is not the place to find salt and light. I've had to watch how much newspaper I read or how much news I watch, because let me tell you, it's depressing. But it should be a wake-up call to say, somebody do something. God expects the church to impact our society. And the church isn't. We are to be salt and light. You go home and read your newspaper and you will see what I mean. 
As soon as you pick it up, you're going to see how badly salt and light is needed. Jesus said that's what we are to be. So integrity is a core value of church on the hill and also me personally as a Christian. We are here to make a difference. We are here to influence people. We are here to be a people of God, truly a light in our community. Now, if I can, let me give you some things to think about. There are four aspects of this text. Oh, sorry. Did I not do that? Now you must tell the wonderful things that God has done in your life. That's being the salt. That's being the salt. Four aspects of the text. First one is the uh, presupposition, which is corruption and darkness. Jesus said, as he started this story, he said, I want you to know that we live in a corrupt and very dark world. Have things changed? Things haven't changed at all. We live in a dark and corrupt world. It is so bad. It is so bad. G. Campbell Morgan said the world needs salt because it's corrupt and it needs light because it's so dark. That's why Jesus said, I want you to know salt is needed and so is light. But I read this article out of an educator's magazine and hang in there with me. Please don't tune me out. Just hang in there. It says man has increased in scientific, medical, historical, educational, psychological and technical uh, technical knowledge to an astounding degree. But he has not changed his own basic nature. He's not improved society. Man's knowledge has greatly improved, but his morals have greatly progressively degenerated. His confidence has increased, but his peace of mind has diminished. His accomplishments have increased, but his sense of purpose and meaning have all but disappeared. And instead of improving the moral and the spiritual quality of his life, man's discoveries and accomplishments have simply provided ways for him to express and promote his depravity faster and more destructively. Modern man has simply invented more ways to corrupt and destroy himself. Man has simply created more ways to corrupt and destroy himself. The great uh, philosopher Bertrand Russell at 96 years old wrote a book saying why I'm not a Christian. He had come to the end of his life and began to look at life and the philosophies that he had that he supported. And he realized that they were all futile. They were a washout that it could not hold him at difficult times. Time magazine came out with a statement saying today's young radicals are sensitive to the wrongs of their society and they denounce them violently. The problem is the young generation sees the sins of the older generation and are against them, but thinks that they're not in sin at all. Let me tell you, our, my generation and the younger generation are sinning at no end. Our world is full of sin. Why? Because we are all depraved. We were born with a sinful nature. And because basic human desire is not to make the world better. Basic human desire is not to make the world better. Are y'all with me? I'm about to get happy again. The basic human desire is filled with sin. And it's always on a downward path. But the next aspect is the plan is to impact our society. Jeremiah seventeen nine says the heart is more deceitful 
than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The plan is very simple in this story, and it is to make a positive impact on society. Jesus said, you are to be salt and light. We are to reveal corruption in our society, but we are to bring light. We are to bring the light of God's truth. Regardless of the world, what the world may tell you, they want truth. As believers, we want truth, right? I don't want to go down that road. But remember, the words that we underlined in verse 13 and 14 were the words of you. Now, what does salt mean? Let's lighten things up a little bit. What does salt mean? If we are to be salt, what does that mean? It means that we are to add flavor. Now, as we go through this, I want you to think about yourself. Don't be thinking about your spouse or thinking about your boss or thinking about your pastor. Think about you. When you step into a situation, do you add flavor or do you make it taste bad? This is a good little study. It's a good little thing to test yourself. If you know anything about me, I'm always asking you to look at yourself. Dig down deep. Where really are you? But what else? We're to add flavor. Salt does. Salt causes things to remain pure. It's a preservative. We are to remain pure. How can we remain pure if we're not pure to begin with? So it's important that you allow the word, the the relationship, your walk with the Lord to help purify you. You know, God wants to purify you. Get all those those that nasty stuff in you to rise to the top and to scrape it off. Next. We are to create thirst. How many people, how many of you would believe that when you step into a room, when you leave, they're glad you're gone or they wish you'd stay? <laughs> we went to LTAP last night and, and ate. And uh, I went to a basketball practice with my son after it. And when I got home, I was dying of thirst. And I came in and I said, honey, I'm so thirsty. She said, it's all the salt. Salt makes you thirsty. Salt makes you want more. You ever ate a chip? You can't just eat one. Why? It's the salt and the fried. But it's the salt. We're attracted to salt. uh, I'm wanting to race out. I'm wanting to get on these tangents and I'm not going to do it. Everybody say, praise God. Amen. (laughs) That was very heartfelt. I really felt that when you said that. All right. What else? We're to create thirst. I want you to think about when you step into your situations that you walk through. Do you do these things or do you do the opposite? Next. We are to contribute value. We are to add to the situation. You know, you've been hired to do a job so that you can add to the place, not take away. Do you add to the corporation you work for? Think about the church. Do you add to the church or do you take away? We'll move on. What about your marriage? Do you add to the marriage or do you take away? I'm not going to look at anybody on that one. Do you contribute value? This is our calling. This is what salt does. We're going to have to take this one the right way. Salt causes pain. 
Have you ever gotten salt in a wound? It hurts, but it brings healing. You know, you say, what do you mean by pain? You know, sometimes, uh, sometimes it takes pain to get us to turn back to God. You know, the prodigal had to go through some pain before he finally said, enough. I've had enough. I'm willing to give up my pride and turn around and go back home because this hurts. We don't need to take, we don't need to go out here and try to cause people pain. What happens is when you bring the word, let the word do the job. When you love somebody and genuinely try to sit down and try to give them truth, not condemnation, not try to bring guilt on them, but by loving them through God's word, sometimes pain will come. And you know what? That's not bad. Next, salt preserves life. You are not to go in and stomp somebody down until they're dead. You're to go in there and help them get their feet back on the ground. Love them and go with them. Put your arm around them. Hook, their arm, hook your arm through their arm and help them. Like, a, like in a, a war situation, go and pick up the wounded and carry them to safety. That's salt. Find them help. But finally, and this is kind of a lighter note, it removes ice. Anybody here had to spread any salt in the last week? Isn't that funny? You just throw salt out and it'll just start to melt the ice. You know what salt does? Is it'll soften hard hearts. It'll soften people that, that can't be softened any other way. You know what? My heart can get so hard that it, only God can soften it. And you know who brings God to that person? You. You are the light. You are the salt. And if that salt doesn't get thrown out on that heart, it's not going to soften. It's up to you. So when Jesus said you're to be this, you're to be the salt in the world, he said you are to add flavor to society. To do this, you are to remain pure, to create a thirst, to come to God and to contribute value. Maybe even cause pain by convicting other people through the word of God. But finally, we are to preserve life and to soften hearts. I want to encourage you today as I close. Be willing to try. You know, Jesus said. Jesus showed us that we don't know how to do everything right, even though we may be fishers. Even, sorry, fishers, even though we may be fishermen. You know, you know, hunting hunters and fishers are pretty. Uh, they, they feel like they know what they're doing, Right. You talk to a good fisherman and he'll he'll tell you he knows where the hot spots are, the right kind of uh, lures to use, the right kind of equipment to use, the kind of boat you need to have, what time you should go, what time you shouldn't go, if it's raining, if it's foggy. They know their stuff. But you know what? Jesus encountered some fishermen who'd been out fishing all day and didn't catch anything. They had shoes and tires in their nets. And what did Jesus say? Let's go back out one more time. But Jesus, we, we've already been fishing. We know fishing. You don't know fishing. You're a carpenter, right? We know fishing. Jesus said, that's okay. Come out anyway. Cast your net right there. And what happened? Their net started to break. Their boat started to sink. Do you think revelation came that day? Jesus is saying, you don't have to save the person. You just got to throw the net. 
And I'm going to show you where to throw it. And you're going to have an opportunity this week to be salt and light. And I want to encourage you, take it. Elizabeth and I were at LTAP and she saw a couple and she said, I feel like I know those people. I need to invite them to church. I need to talk to them. Tell them what's going on at our church. I said, okay. I'm not feeling it, but go right ahead. I went with her. Brought all four of my kids over to a table of two sitting on the same side. And I'm, here we are all overwhelming this pastor with four kids. Who has four kids anymore? You know, so here we are. And you know what? We were trying to finish eating and she said, I got to go over there. The Lord was saying, cast your net right there. Don't worry about whether you pull them in or not. It's not your job. Your job's to obey me and let God do his part. Now, you may say, I'm the type of person that goes in and has to tell my problems all the time. You know what? Sometimes you need people like that. But I want to encourage you, help somebody else's problem. God will help your problem. Instead of being the problem, be the helper of the problem. And just try. Just try it one time. I encourage you, throw your net this week. You may feel like you're not worthy to throw the net. You think those fishermen were all cleaned up when Jesus encountered them? No way. They were nasty. Think of how Navy, why isn't it cussing like a sailor? I guarantee you they weren't perfect people. Just like you and me. Just like you and me. And you know what? They said, okay, we'll cast our net. I want to encourage you. Don't be a cussing sailor. But realize God's calling you. God's calling you to impact our nation, to impact our city, to impact our church, to impact our community. Try. I want to encourage you. Try. 